Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is Geraldo Rivera reporting Roadkill, my podcast, The View from the Middle of the Road. And from the middle of the road, I look left, I look right, and what I see are streets running red with blood throughout urban America. It is a reality that cannot be denied. New York City has already had more shootings this year than all of 2019 combined. We had seven shootings in New York City on Sunday alone. Chicago this past weekend, nine killed, 25 wounded, including a nine-year-old child. I just got a bulletin going on the air in Akron, Ohio, nearby Akron. I'm in Cleveland. In Akron, Ohio, a one-year-old killed in the crossfire. Here in Cleveland, 12 shootings just on Saturday. And three other murders since then. These are all in minority neighborhoods, in black neighborhoods. And the perpetrators are invariably other black people. But now we're hearing that to speak, even to speak of black-on-black crime, makes you unsavory. How dare you? It's just so frustrating. The inability or refusal of progressive politicians to recognize where the real problem is, the urgent problem in urban America. It's not police violence. That may be egregious and outrageous, but it's a tiny fraction of the real problem. Here's Roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera. have to wonder what impact hearing all these uh, dead romantics has on young people in challenged neighborhoods when they hear the glorification of lives taken way too early. I wonder if they play into it. Does this become the uh, You know, more than the anthem, does this become the how-to, how-to-live. You shoot me or mine, I'll shoot you or yours. Another bloody Sunday. I mean, it's barely August. Let's start in New York City, which prided itself for years, many years, all the years I lived there, well, the last 10 or so, as being the safest big city on earth. Well, now they've already had more shootings in 2020 than they they did in all of 2019. So everything from here on in is like bonus murders. All the rest of August, September, October, November, December, all those will add up until 2020 will be one of the bloodiest years in a very long time in New York. Seven shootings Sunday alone. 
Chicago this weekend, nine killed, 25 wounded, a nine-year-old dead. Year-to-date, this is a slightly different statistic, year-to-date, July 2019 to July 2020, in Chicago, murder is up 139%. Cleveland, there were 12 shootings here on Saturday alone. An unborn child was killed. Then, uh, you know, in the Akron Beacon Journal, they had, uh, I'm sorry, no, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, you had uh, two brothers shot dead in Lee Harvard early Thursday by a pair of gunmen wearing masks. Yet another Cleveland man shot multiple times, then crashing his SUV, also on Lee Road, at McCracken. So, what are we going to do about that? I mean, one side is absolutely doing its best to ignore it. That's the Democrats. And on the other hand, you have the Republicans who are trying to highlight it. But every time they mention uh, black-on-black violence, the Democrats say COVID-19. Or it's all about the epidemic. Or you're trying to divert attention from the failure of President Trump to deal with, uh, with the virus. Joe Biden is not answering any questions about black-on-black crime at all. He's not answering any questions, or not any real questions anyway. Where is Joe Biden? Where is he to take the tough questions? Can he take the heat? Does he have the clarity to deal with tough questions? Will he attempt to stay on the shelf? All this week, for example, betting that his vice presidential pick will will be such big news it'll dominate the news cycle for another week, keeping him out of the firing line? Where is Joe? Where is Joe? I mean, these are legit questions. I don't care what side of the spectrum you fall. These are legit questions. Trump endures these hard questions every single day, and he does a very mixed job of dealing with them. Sometimes he nails it. Sometimes he nails it and then uh, kills it by going on and on or tweeting about it and then uh, in a way that was ill-advised. But he's out there. Trump's out there. Biden is absolutely hidden from view. He's hidden from view. And when you do see him, it's on such controlled circumstances. Check it out yourself. You don't have to be like a news junkie to see what the strategy is. The strategy is don't let anybody with a tough question near him and don't let him answer any multiple-choice type questions. It's going to come eventually. And I know Democrats are like holding their breath, hoping against hope that Biden can be unscathed through this, this vicious process that he's about to endure. I mean, he can't stay hidden until September 29th, the first debate, can he? Can he? I want to talk about that today with you all. Let me know how you feel. Both about what I think is the biggest domestic issue out there today. 
black-on-black violence, urban violence. This is an issue that is easy to ignore if you don't live in these areas. I mean, if you don't live here on uh, near Lee, Harvard Lee, you know, so you hear the distant sound of gunfire. You wonder, is that that another shooting? Or is that fireworks? What is that? It's not fireworks. The other big story, of course, and we're following it, and we'll talk about all these things today, is Corona. Corona deaths are spiking again, as you know, all across the country. And it's alarming that Ohio is one of the states included in the, uh, you know, the, the new outbreak, renewed outbreak, second wave, whatever you call it, whatever it is. But when you check out the deaths in Ohio, it's very interesting. I had not really paused to ponder it. But did you know that two-thirds of the 2,335 deaths, two-thirds of them were residents of nursing homes? Two-thirds of all the people who've died in Ohio have been residents of nursing homes. Eighty-five more deaths are prison inmates. Fifty-two percent of the deaths are people over 80 years old, and another 25 percent are people like me in their 70s. So that's 75 percent of all COVID deaths are people institutionalized in a nursing home, in prison, or old folks. The doctors say that the school kids are virtually immune. They're not susceptible to COVID. Yes, they can carry the virus, I assume. I don't even know that. I'll ask our expert, Keith Armitage, will be joining us at the end of the, uh, well, at the middle of the second hour. I'll ask him. School kids are not susceptible, so does that have an impact on school? What I'm seeing, looking around and all these programs, it looks like all the programs are collapsing. looks like all the sports is being you know, discontinued, taken off the, uh, off the roster. Our beautiful now 15-year-old soul was slated to play golf on the team, but no golf. I mean, golf is as uncontact, uncrowded as you get. So there'll be no golf. I'm I'm certain there'll be very few, if any, of the other sports. I mean, is that the way to go? I don't know. I don't know. When you look at the statistics, you think maybe if you keep the old-timers away from the kids, maybe we can go on in life. I had a comment over the weekend. I got back from my spiritual journey from last week. I got back Friday night. And I just started thinking about where we're going now with this election heating up. Are we going to really see two different Americas? Are we really going to see like one America obsessed with the COVID-19 and the other America obsessed with violence and anarchy and dysfunction in urban America? Are we going to have two different views completely? One side refusing to see the reality that the other side is promoting. President Trump coming to 
Cleveland, we are told, on Thursday. I haven't confirmed it myself, but they say he's going to be at Shoreby. A friend, fundraiser. Kind of a, I would imagine he'll be quick in, quick out. I certainly promise that I'll try my best to get as close to him on your behalf as I can. Ask him about these things. Ask him about coronavirus deaths spiking again. The fact that it's old folks shouldn't give us any comfort. The fact that black-on-black crime is running at epidemic levels. And the fact that his adversary, Joe Biden, will not sit for a proper interview with a you know, hardcore newsman or woman. Eventually, he'll have to, I would assume. I haven't uh, seen many of the president's tweets lately. I don't know what scandals he's, uh, he's ginned up intentionally or inadvertently. I'll catch up with it during the commercial. I'm looking now, seeing that uh, a one-year-old child has been uh, killed in Akron. Two others shot in a triple shooting there. But black lives do matter. And it is, if, if that's what it takes to draw attention to what I started the show with, that utter blasphemous violence, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll take any kind of motivating slogan anyone on either side, on any side, can come up with. Because it, because it is so disheartening. I, it's like Monday morning. I remember, for various reasons, when print newspapers were the way most people got their news, uh, you'd wait until like uh, Sunday night because the Thursday edition of the Village Voice would have the new apartment, so you could get it on Wednesday night and get a jump on people. Are we now going to have people getting a jump on the on the homicide statistics? Okay, uh, what are, what are they today in Chicago? Uh, it's Monday. What what's happened in Chicago? Ah, uh, twenty five dead. Ah, oh, seven dead. Ah, oh, nine dead. Ah, oh, two-year-old, a ten-month-old. Uh, you know, at a certain point, what, at what point does it become an issue for everybody? At what point? Now, I read an article yesterday. It was very interesting. It, it suggested that even doing a story on black-on-black violence was racist because the dysfunction in the community is a is a symptom, a function of the history in the community and the history of the people there and their grandparents and their their great-grandparents. Is that so? Is is it going to be hopeless then to deal with urban violence? You have one party that, that has an official policy of not recognizing it. It doesn't see it. It doesn't process urban violence, because it doesn't work for that party, the Democrats, politically. The Republicans, on the other hand, it is in their best interest to draw attention to the issue. But at a certain point when the bodies, like, what is it again? All right, so it's nine killed in Chicago. Nine more young people killed. Their lives snuffed out. Nine-year-old dead. You know, at a certain point, I think we have to recognize that this is a made. This isn't a symptom of something. This is the issue.
symptoms if if living conditions and social economic realities are a big part of this that we need opportunity economic opportunity zones but we what we need right now is peace what we need first is for ordinary people to have a reasonable expectation that they and their children will not be murdered for no reason other than they're in a crossfire or a kid dies because the parent has a beef with somebody on a drug deal gone bad. I mean, at, a certain, at what point, at what point is the carnage so intense? We see COVID, right? And the COVID uh, with the virus, a lot of swaggering politics disappeared as the body count increased until over 154,000 Americans are dead now. How could that not be a legitimate issue? I mean, 2020 hindsight, sure. Well, could something have been done to lessen that pile of dead? Admittedly, in Ohio at least, the nursing homes playing such a disproportionate role. I get that. But you can't deny that that epidemic. I, I said over the weekend, no vaccine by October 15th, no re-election for Donald Trump because his fate is now inextricably interwoven with the progress on a vaccine and therapeutics. Got to stop people dying, both in the hospital emergency room or the ICU and on the, in Lee Harvard, Lee Harvard. Got to stop people dying. Give people an expectation of life. Give people an expectation that tomorrow will be better than today and that their children will do better than they do in life. What happened to that dream, the American dream? Does anybody talk about the American dream anymore? So a lot going on, a lot of very serious issues. President Trump probably coming to uh, Cleveland Thursday for a fundraiser. I don't know how public the visit will be. Everyone's a buzz in and around the Shoreby Club. We'll see if that pans out. I'll certainly bring you the facts as they displace the speculation. In Columbus, Claudia's on the line. Thank you for your patience, Claudia. What are you thinking about today? Thanks for calling. Hi, good morning. The show goes so quick. We only have 20 minutes left. Yeah, how about that? That's uh, that's like life. <laughs> okay, what are you thinking about? <laughs> well, it was a comment um, that was made by Councilman Bashir Jones, I believe it was on Friday's show. And right. There was discussion on about black-on-black -black crime that was specifically mentioned, and he kind of took offense to that in a way and said, well, why don't we call it human on... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. 
With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Human crime. I said, okay, I agree in the back of my mind. But then why is it when we say all human lives matter, it's a problem? Uh, that, that is uh, the dilemma you cite is uh, accurate. Uh, Claudia, first of all, let me go to Rob. Uh, what was your discussion with uh, Bashir? Uh, and was he as defensive as Claudia described? I don't think he was as I don't think he was defensive. I mean, you know, we were talking, you know, very candidly about defunding the police and about, you know, what that really meant. And, you know, I if he was defensive at all, I can kind of understand it. I mean, this was has been an idea that's been pretty much under attack since it started just because it's honestly what do you think about it. Liberal. What do I think about it? Yeah. I, I don't mind it, but my my thing is is that— you don't mind it? Well, I like the idea. I like the concept. I like the, the if you actually read the fine print. What I don't like is the label is the way they kind of branded it. When oh, you say defund— defund the police. Yes, yeah. That's, I, think, I, I think that when, when civilians start messing around with the structure of the police force— Well— it doesn't end well. Well, no, and, and, and I understand that, and, and I, that's why I think we need to have some common sense with it and, and just kind of the way that we were looking at. I think we, we don't need to mess with it too much, but I think they still need to be accountable to the citizens, and I think defunding the police and restructuring some of that money might make that happen because if we don't have accountability, we're going to continue to have the same problems that we're having over and over again. If uh, people really think the structure of the police departments is the problem— to this carnage, I think that you do not have much experience in those areas. The structure of the police department, I don't care if you put them in, uh, you know, uh, mercury-winged shoes and, uh, you know, big red hearts on their chests instead of bulletproof vests. It's not going to stop this uh, well, this pilot. Well, let me, we, yeah. we can't be rude to Dr. Armitage. We, uh, someone said uh, about practical. Uh, he is practical, along with being scientific. He's medical director for the University Hospital's Rogue Green Center for Travel Medicine, professor of medicine at Case Western. We trust him, and uh, we welcome him back on board. Hey, Dr. Armitage. Hey, good morning, Geraldo. So what about this? Uh, you know, I, I said earlier in the show that it looks as if uh, Ohio's big spike has to do with residents of nursing homes, prison inmates, uh, and old-timers. Uh, what says Dr. Armitage? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I do think we, we're seeing, um, you know, people that have been to, to family gatherings or other indoor social events without masks. So I think it's a combination. Um, you know, Ohio's been kind of steady all along. We had the, the kind of mini peak in, in May, then another mini peak in July, and it looks like we're going down again. Um, so uh, thankfully in Ohio, we never had a crisis like, like many cities where the hospitals were overwhelmed, but we're we're still seeing a steady stream of folks coming in. You know, I was in northern Michigan over uh, Wednesday through Friday, and they, I, there was scarcely a person up there in the resort towns wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw very few masks, and, and they're still shaking hands. It's almost like they live in a – it's only not even 500 miles uh, away, and yeah. it's almost like a different ethos. No, I, 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 I get. I guess if 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 the community doesn't feel the impact, people are just not motivated to, to follow guidelines. It's too bad, you know. Dr. Burks came out yesterday and said it's 
it's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. So, you know, I would still advocate that in those places that have very few cases, wear a mask to prevent more masks. The whole the whole goal in this pandemic is to get through to the end with with minimum deaths. The, you know, the number that I look at is the deaths per million. You know, looking at deaths per million in countries, deaths per million in states. Ohio's still on the low end. We're about 300. You contrast that with New York and New Jersey, that 1,800. Florida, Florida bypassed Ohio in the last week, you know, and it's moving up. I think we'll have a – I'm very confident we'll have a vaccine by the first quarter of the next year. If we're lucky, you know, maybe November, December, we just – you know, every we need to minimize the spread and the deaths until we get there. And, and, and uh, I, you know, people in places like the UP are lucky they don't have a lot of cases, but they need to be careful. They they need to be careful, but they're not. We'll uh, we'll see if that has the uh, the inevitable end result of more in, more infection. It would seem yeah. that it would uh, ultimately. Uh, but do you agree that nursing homes institutionally, size wise, maybe not a good idea going forward with all the infectious diseases that the new world has in store for us? Yeah, that that's a tricky one because nursing homes have clear, clearly been in a setting where this virus spreads and it spreads to a vulnerable population. I mean, as a society, maybe we should, uh, we we can all take our breath. We can look at how we operate nursing homes. You know, 70% of nursing homes are, 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 are for-profit businesses. Not, and I'm not opposed to that. You know, most hospitals are not for-profit, but they're run like businesses. And um, there's some very excellent, you know, for-profit nursing homes. But the whole structure of nursing homes is, is complicated. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we need them, but how they're organized, you know, is something that could probably be improved. And in terms of the vaccine, are, are you uh, confident that UH will get its fair share for distribution to its uh, consumers? I am. You know, um, UH has, has been on the cutting edge in some of the trials. And next week, we're starting two vaccine trials, two different vaccines. And I'm really excited about that. And uh Again, there's going to be a lot of politics around the world about vaccine distribution, but I'm, I'm confident that we will. And and I really think uh, the vaccine is the way to end this. I mean, everyone is sick of this damn pandemic. We're tired of wearing a mask. We want to get back to normal. I don't see any other way out of this other than the vaccine. And everything is positive about vaccine development. Every vaccine you're looking at has had a good safety profile so far. And all the signals that we look for for efficacy are positive. So I remain optimistic about a vaccine. And it would be fantastic if we had a vaccine by November, December. I think it would be very, very likely we'll have a vaccine, you know, by the first quarter next year. So what about vaccine and presidential election, which is uh, November 3rd, right? So uh, will we have a vaccine by November 3rd? You know, you know, I, I always take take the Fauci or take the Burks, try not to be political. I, I, it would be great if we did. I, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, politics should stay out of it. And if we have a vaccine before November 3rd, that's great. If we don't, that's just because that's the science. And I, I do, I do get that um, that would probably improve President Trump's overall image regarding the coronavirus. If we did have a vaccine, I just want the darn vaccine sooner than later. You think people will take them, or do you think there'll be skepticism about the process being rushed? Definitely going to be skepticism. I, I, I do think. You know, in China and Russia, they're already vaccinating. In China, they're vaccinating the military. I saw in the paper Russia's rushing out a vaccine. I think we're being careful and deliberate here. We're doing things as fast as we can, but in a deliberate and safe way. You know, the anti-vax movement is pretty entrenched. Um, I think if, if, you know, 
60-70% of people were vaccinated and it was effective, that would really slow the spread a lot. So uh, I remain optimistic. Keith Armitage, Dr. Armitage, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Always good to talk to you, Ronald. Thanks. You too, mate. You too. Bye-bye. So, Rob, how are you feeling about it? I don't – I honestly don't know what to believe anymore. It's – and we're getting, you know, deluge with all this information. You know, it seems like every other time, too, I'm, I'm dealing with a conspiracy theory, you know, about a mask or not to wear a mask or, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Really, you see I th- they're arresting people. Yeah, they, they I, I haven't heard of anything locally about people getting arrested, but I wouldn't be surprised around the country if something's like that. And honestly, too, I, I'm trying to figure out how we can't keep 600 baseball players COVID free, but we're going to put everybody in schools and, and get everybody going with millions of school kids and teachers and administrators that I, I snotty noses. Yeah. It, because, you know, I was talking to a couple of my buddies who have kids and I'm like, I will bet you any money that your child will come home one day with a mask. He did not wear when he walked out the door, they, <laughs> you know, cause kids being kids are just going to be, you know, just going to be completely Can I wear yours. I like, yeah. Your nose better. Oh yeah. I like iron man. Oh, I have captain America. We'll switch it up. You know, that kind of thing. And so the kids aren't going to take it seriously because a lot of the parents aren't even taking it seriously. So how would you expect the child to f- go against the mom and dad on that one? So we, we take it seriously. I mean, we take it more than semi-seriously. Yeah. We, we try to be polite and wear masks in public. Yeah. That's a, let me take one call uh, before absolutely. we take the break. Uh, it's Bill in uh, Shaker Square. What's up, Bill? Thanks for calling. 216-578-1100. What's up? Oh, good. Talking to you again, Noral. You too. Yeah, I talked to you about... Uh, five months ago, about this black on black crime. Uh huh. And I'm, a, I tell you, I'm a 73 year old Air Force veteran, Afro American. And I tell you about some kids. Thank you for your service. Yes, some kids attacked me on my porch, and they put me in jail. I think I told you once more about this. Yeah, yeah. And the parents was mad at me. The parents of the children were mad at you. Huh? Yeah, the parents were mad at me because. What I, neighborhood I do you live? You live huh? near Shaker Square. Yeah. Well, have you? What did the cops say when they came? They put me in jail. And did you get charged? Well, they, they were talking about indicting me. Well, I went to the veterans. You know, the veteran administration helped me out. Some of my, my counsel, uh, social workers. Right. They get mad when they heard about it, so they dropped the charges. Oh, so try. So you're okay now. Oh yeah, but I'm, what I'm trying to say, you know, I agree with you on the black and black crime, but you know, you can't put the blame on everybody. I but hear you, again, I, and I certainly don't. I certainly don't. No, I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to everybody. But I'm saying, but Donald Trump, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be in the mix because of things he has done, discrimination, you know, things like that. Right, in his house. Oh, excuse me, remember that New York fab they had on trial, and they found him innocent. Yes, the yeah. Central Park Five. Yes, yes. Donald Trump still is mad at them, kids. I can't. Yes, and out. the prosecutors still are too. I hear a lot of the cops and others will be taking their boats with big Trump signs and uh, sailing past Shoreby during the president's visit, if that pans out. Again, I have not uh, confirmed it myself. But if that indeed is on the schedule for Thursday, there'll be a flotilla in Lake Erie. Uh, you know, on the east side, all you see is Biden signs. On, on the west side, it's different. At sea, I think it's clearly a pro-Trump, uh, pro-Trump world. What do you think? What are you thinking about Two one six five seven eighty eleven hundred uh in Akron. Let's start with Bruce. Hey Bruce, what's up? Oh, uh, hold on. If you could get a guest on, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, local doctor. 
She's one of the leading doctors in the anti-vax movement in the country. Mike Trevisano had her on a couple of times. So, Bruce, are you saying that you would not have the vaccine even if it were safe and effective? No, I'm not. I'm not taking it. Not taking any vaccine. And uh, tell us why, Bruce. Tell us why. Uh, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. So you would rather Period. take your chances out there catching I, I, the COVID? I take vitamin C, uh, shrimp, vitamin C, zinc. And uh, if you could get that hydroxychloroquine, it's a fairly cheap remedy. Doctors are healing people from it. But she's very knowledgeable. She's a medical doctor right here in Middleburg Heights, just outside of Cleveland. My so Rob, get that name again. What is it? Three penny? Ten. Sherry. Ten penny. Ten penny. P-E-N, ten penny. P-E-N-N-Y. Gotcha. Get her on. Hey, Bruce, thanks. Yeah, get, gotcha, right. buddy. Gotcha. Michael in Maple Heights. Hi, Michael. What's up? Hey, Geraldo. Hey, if you notice all those rioters in Portland and Seattle, they're all around 35 years or younger. They're right. the ones that are going to vote for Biden, and guys like you and me are going to vote for Trump, and we're going to, Trump's going to be reelected. So you're not worried about the polls? No. Look, look at Hillary. Hillary had polls like that, too. True. It's about uh, she had about the same. Maybe, maybe, maybe Biden's lead was a little more than Hillary's lead was last week. Uh, but uh, over the weekend, I sense that uh, Trump has stopped the decline. The Republicans are rallying to the president, the embattled president side. So I think it's uh, it's running already a lot closer. Well, you than, look at uh, Biden. He's supposed to be a moderate, but he's getting these. He's going to have a, a liberal communist uh, vice president. Well, we'll find out this week, won't we? Uh, Patrick in, uh, is that Mansfield? What's up, Patrick? What are you thinking about? Hey, uh, Harada, I've been listening to your show for the last few weeks and everything, man. And uh, I know um, I know you had, we was talking, you was talking about black-on-black crime. And right. you were saying how come no one is complaining about it. And the thing is, you know, a lot of blacks, most blacks are complaining about it on a regular basis. And even the prominent black leaders like the Reverend Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, Minister Farrakhan, all of them have talked about black on black crime to black people. But the thing is, the media doesn't show that. I mean, you, I mean, the thing about it is what a lot of you guys is you want to say that no one is saying anything about it. There's a whole bunch of people trying to put an end to it and, and they talk they talk to the people about it but no one covers it and well, the thing about I mean, it is it could it could be that i'm just not not seeing the concrete action but i i am not i i love uh, you know the guys the men and women that you've named uh, i've known for decades and you know worked with them worked alongside them on various issues various crusades uh reverend al sharpton i've known very well. I think I was one of the first people to put Reverend Al on television as a as a young preacher back in the early 90s. I, I like him very much. I was uh, uh, very supportive of what he did with the uh, protesting the Navy's use of the island of Vieques in Puerto Rico. I, Al actually went to jail for that, for his protest, and I honored him. I thought that was very noble of him. Jesse Jackson, my goodness, uh, ever since his run for the presidency in the 80s, I've uh, admired him tremendously. I just think that people, particularly politically active people, like issues where things aren't that complicated and they can make a stand or they can blame somebody else. And I think urban violence is too complex for these activists or any others to wrap their arms around. How do you stop 
with nine people. Let's take Chicago this weekend. Nine dead, 25 wounded. So there's 34 families affected by the violence that are angry now that their loved one has been shot, killed, or wounded. Now, they're going to want to shoot and kill and wound the other people who did that to them. That's the cycle of violence that Chicago and some of the other communities like our own are locked in right now. It's not just for crime or for turf even. A lot of it has to do with uh, status and revenge. And I tell you, I, I really do believe that a lot of the uh, a lot of the songs, a lot of the anthems now are perpetuating violence. I hate to be that fussy person. I just think that it's hard to... Anyway, look where I've taken the show. <laughs> I've taken the show to an intractable problem. Uh, but uh, we'll try to track it tomorrow. Before I say goodbye and end this roadkill, I just want to point out that this is the week probably we will see Joe Biden naming his vice president. He's got some strong personalities that have been talked about. Kamala Harris, the senator from California, probably leading the pack. Karen Bass, the congresswoman, the head of the Congressional Black Caucus, in the mix as well. Val Demings, the congresswoman from Florida, former Orlando, Florida police chief. It'll be interesting to see if he goes that way. Or Tammy Duckworth, the multiple amputee, born in Thailand to American parents. Senator, excellent senator. We'll see where Joe goes. And want, I want to see if we see Joe. Where's Joe? Will he give an interview to anybody other than uh, the gardening channel or the local Delaware television station that asks when they have the rare opportunity to actually get the candidate in front of them, why Delaware? kind of question is why Delaware? Why don't you ask how he likes the weather? Joe Biden's going to have to answer tough questions from a skilled interviewer. And he's not going to be able to duck the debates. September 29th, the first one here in Cleveland. And from Cleveland, I'm Harold Rivera reporting Roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.